For those new to the podcast, welcome to where members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints feel like they connect with and enjoy the scriptures within minutes. We do this verse by verse, with the help from modern witnesses of Jesus Christ, giving deep, powerful, and engaging insights to what we are reading. Also, helping us see how ancient scriptures very much apply to us in the modern day. Feel free to follow this podcast to stay up to date and share it with anyone who you think would enjoy it. Right now, we are gaining insight on the Book of Mormon. My style is to always read the verse or verses first to give us context. And then, let those verses really flourish in your minds by accompanying them with insights directly after. This way, we get a healthy dose of scriptures with our commentary. I invite you to listen to the scriptures being read intently before the insights and see if you can find what the topic will be. I also invite you to write down anything you needed to hear today and feel free to share it with the community using the hashtag AllInChristDaily. So, first, Nephi 17, 23 through 34 states for us, And it came to pass that I, Nephi, spake unto them, saying, Do you believe that our fathers, who were the children of Israel, would have been led away out of the hands of the Egyptians if they had not hearkened unto the words of the Lord? Yea. Do you suppose that they would have been led out of bondage if the Lord had not commanded Moses that he should lead them out of bondage? Now ye know that the children of Israel were in bondage. And ye know that they were laden with tasks, which were grievous to be borne. Wherefore, ye know that it must needs be a good thing for them, that they should be brought out of bondage. Now ye know that Moses was commanded of the Lord to do that great work. And ye know that by his word, the waters of the Red Sea were divided hither and thither, and they passed through on dry ground. But ye know that the Egyptians were drowned in the Red Sea, who were the armies of Pharaoh. And ye also know that they were fed with manna in the wilderness. Yea, and ye also know that Moses, by his word, according to the power of God which was in him, smote the rock, and there came forth water, that the children of Israel might quench their thirst. And notwithstanding they being led, the Lord their God, their Redeemer, going before them, leading them by day and giving light unto them by night, and doing all things for them which were expedient for man to receive. They hardened their hearts and blinded their minds and reviled against Moses and against the true and living God. And it came to pass that according to his word he did destroy them, and according to his word he did lead them, and according to his word he did do all things for them. And there was not anything done, save it were by his word. And after they had crossed the river, Jordan, he did make them mighty unto the driving out of the children of the land, yea, unto the scattering them to destruction. And now, do ye suppose that the children of this land who were in the land of promise, who were driven out by our fathers, do ye suppose that they were righteous? Behold, I say unto you, nay. Do ye suppose that our fathers would have been more choice than they if they had been righteous? I say unto you, nay. Nephi viewed his family's wilderness experience as a type or parallel to ancient Israel's wanderings in the wilderness. One writer discussed the witness the Book of Mormon provides regarding the exodus led by Moses. The so-called higher critics of the Bible have raised the question as to whether or not the miracles of the exodus of Israel under Moses actually happened as they are recorded in the Old Testament. However, The Book of Mormon substantiates the actuality of these miraculous events. Inasmuch as Nephi's knowledge of these miracles came from the authentic account on the brass plates of Laban, Latter-day Saints should have no question concerning the reliability of the biblical account. 
Once again, the Book of Mormon serves as a witness to its companion scripture, the Bible. 1 Nephi 17.45 states for us, Ye are swift to do iniquity, but slow to remember the Lord your God. Ye have seen an angel, and he spake unto you, Yea, ye have heard his voice from time to time, and he hath spoken unto you in a still small voice, but ye were past feeling that ye could not feel his words. Wherefore he has spoken unto you like unto the voice of thunder, which did cause the earth to shake, as if it were to divide asunder. Why were Laman and Lemuel unable to understand the Lord's will, even after seeing an angel? Why couldn't they receive a spiritual confirmation of their journey as their younger brother Nephi did? Nephi identified the cause of their spiritual insensitivity as being swift to do iniquity. President James E. Faust compared a person's worthiness of receiving the spirit to receiving a signal on a cell phone. Cellular phones are used for much of the communication in our time. Occasionally, however, we find dead spots where the signal coming to a cell phone fails. This can happen when the cell phone user is in a tunnel or a canyon, or when there is other interference. So it is with divine communication. The still, small voice, though still and small, is very powerful. It whispereth through and pierceth all things. Perhaps something in our lives prevents us from hearing the message, because we are past feeling. We often put ourselves in spiritual dead spots, places and situations that block out divine messages. Some of these dead spots include anger, pornography, transgression, selfishness, and other situations that offend the spirit. President Boyd K. Packer describes spiritual communication. The Holy Ghost speaks with a voice that you feel more than you hear. It is described as a still, small voice. And while we speak of listening to the whisperings of the Spirit, most often one describes a spiritual prompting by saying, I had a feeling. Revelation comes as words we feel more than hear. Nephi told his wayward brothers, who were visited by an angel, ye were past feeling, that ye could not feel his words. Laman and Lemuel were past feeling and could not feel the words of the Holy Ghost. Elder Joseph B. Worthlin explained that spiritual insensitivity isn't just a problem for those with serious sin. I fear that some members of the Lord's Church lie far beneath our privileges with regard to the gift of the Holy Ghost. Some are distracted by the things of the world that block out the influence of the Holy Ghost, preventing them from recognizing spiritual promptings. This is a noisy and busy world that we live in. Remember that being busy is not necessarily being spiritual. If we are not careful, the things of this world can crowd out the things of the Spirit. Some are spiritually deadened and past feeling because of their choices to commit sin. Others simply hover in spiritual complacency with no desire to rise above themselves and commune with the infinite. If they would open their hearts to the refining influence of this unspeakable gift of the Holy Ghost, a glorious new spiritual dimension would come to light their eyes would gaze upon a vista scarcely imaginable. They could know for themselves things of the spirit that are choice, precious, and capable of enlarging the soul, expanding the mind, and filling the heart with inexpressible joy. First, Nephi 18.9 states for us, And after we had been driven forth before the wind for the space of many days, behold, my brethren and the sons of Ishmael, and also their wives began to make themselves merry, insomuch that they began to dance, and to speak with much rudeness, yea, even that they did forget by what power they had been brought thither, yea, they were lifted up unto exceeding rudeness. Some may erroneously conclude from 1 Nephi 18.9 
that the Lord does not approve of dancing or singing. Nephi said twice that they erred when their dancing and singing led them to speak with much rudeness. The word rude refers to being harsh, vulgar, or coarse. The Lord has specifically stated that he approves of proper dancing and singing in scriptures such as Psalm 149.1-4, which says, Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him, let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. And in Doctrine and Covenants 136.28, If thou art merry, praise the Lord with singing, with music, with dancing, and with a prayer of praise and thanksgiving. Note from these scriptures that we may praise the Lord through dancing and singing. Satan can use dancing or music, however, as a means of corruption and loss of the spirit. This is why church leaders caution us about the kinds of music we listen to and how we dance. The First Presidency has counseled. Choose carefully the music you listen to. Pay attention to how you feel when you are listening. Don't listen to music that drives away the spirit, encourages immorality, glorifies violence or uses foul or offensive language. Dancing can be fun and can provide an opportunity to meet new people. However, it too can be misused. When dancing, avoid full body contact with your partner. Do not use positions or moves that are suggestive of sexual behavior. Plan and attend dances where dress, grooming, lighting, lyrics, and music contribute to a wholesome atmosphere where the Spirit of the Lord may be present. 1 Nephi 18.25 states for us, And it came to pass that we did find upon the land of promise, as we journeyed in the wilderness, that there were beasts in the forests of every kind, both the cow and the ox, and the ass, and the horse, and the goat, and the wild goat, and all manner of wild animals, which were for the use of men. And we did find all manner of ore, both of gold and of silver, and of copper. There was controversy regarding horses in the Western Hemisphere before Columbus arrived. However, modern archaeological discoveries have shed new light on the subject. Fossil remains of true horses, differing but very slightly from the smaller and inferior breeds of those now existing, are found abundantly in deposits of the most recent geological age in almost every part of America, from Escal's Bay in the north to Patagonia in the south. In that continent, however, they became quite extinct, and no horses either wild or domesticated, existed there at the time of the Spanish conquest, which is most remarkable because when horses were reintroduced from Europe, they ran wild. Their rapid multiplication in the plains of South America and Texas proved that the climate, food, and other circumstances were highly favorable for their existence. The former great abundance of equidae in America, their complete extinction, and their perfect acclimatization when reintroduced by man form curious but as yet unsolved problems in geographical distribution. As he studied the brass plates, Nephi encountered many prophecies concerning the mission of Jesus Christ. Among these were the writings of Isaiah, Zenos, Zenoc, and Neum. Nephi read these prophecies to his people. He also included a portion of them on the small plates, hoping to persuade his people and future readers to believe in the Redeemer. As you study 1 Nephi 19-22, Look for evidence of the Lord's great love for his children. 
Nephi recorded prophecies that demonstrate that scattered Israel would eventually be restored to the fullness of the gospel and gathered together. Furthermore, Nephi taught that even though great wickedness will cover the earth during the last days, the righteous need not fear because the Lord's protective hand will be upon them. Never in the course of history has the Lord forgotten his people, nor will he forget them now, for he has graven them upon the palms of his hands. First, Nephi 19, 1-6 states for us, And it came to pass that the Lord commanded me. Wherefore I did make plates of ore that I might engraven upon them the record of my people. And upon the plates which I made, I did engraven the record of my father, and also our journeyings in the wilderness, and the prophecies of my father. And also many of mine own prophecies have I engraven upon them. And I knew not at the time when I made them that I should be commanded of the Lord to make these plates. Wherefore, the record of my father, and the genealogy of his fathers, and the more part of all our proceedings in the wilderness, are engraven upon those first plates of which I have spoken. Wherefore, the things which transpired before I made these plates are, of a truth, more particularly made mention upon the first plates. And after I had made these plates by way of commandment, I, Nephi, received a commandment that the ministry and the prophecies, the more plain and precious parts of them should be written upon these plates, and that the things which were written should be kept for the instruction of my people, who should possess the land, and also for otherwise purposes, which purposes are known unto the Lord. Wherefore, I, Nephi, did make a record upon the other plates, which gives an account, or which gives a greater account of the wars and contentions and destructions of my people. And this have I done and commanded my people what they should do after I was gone, and that these plates should be handed down from one generation to another, or from one prophet to another, until further commandments of the Lord. And an account of my making these plates shall be given hereafter. And then, behold, I proceed according to that which I have spoken. And this I do that the more sacred things may be kept for the knowledge of my people. Nevertheless, I do not write anything upon plates save it be that I think it be sacred. And now, if I do err, even did they err of old, not that I would excuse myself because of other men, but because of the weakness which is in me, according to the flesh, I would excuse myself. Nephi wrote about the two sets of plates he made. The large plates of Nephi contained a detailed account of his people. The small plates of Nephi were a sacred religious record. In 1 Nephi 19.1 through 6, first plates and other plates refers to the large plates of Nephi. These plates refers to the small plates of Nephi. First, Nephi 19, 7-9 states for us, For the things which some men esteem to be of great worth, both to the body and soul, others set at naught and trample under their feet. Yea, even the very God of Israel do men trample under their feet. I say, trample under their feet. But I would speak in other words. They set him at naught, and hearken not to the voice of his counsels. And behold, he cometh, according to the words of the angel, in six hundred years, from the time my father left Jerusalem. And the world, because of their iniquity, shall judge him to be a thing of naught. Wherefore they scourge him, and he suffereth it. And they smite him, and he suffereth it. Yea, they spit upon him, and he suffereth it, because of his loving kindness and his long suffering towards the children of men. Nephi recorded that Jesus Christ was smitten because people of his day judged him to be a thing of naught. 
the Savior was unimportant to them. He was deemed to be good for nothing, but to be trodden underfoot of men. Elder Neil A. Maxwell noted how men today often follow the same fateful thinking. For many moderns, sad to say, the query, what think ye of Christ? would be answered, I really don't think of him at all. On another occasion, Elder Maxwell taught that regardless of what the world says, we must stand fast in our testimony of the Savior. At the center of the Father's plan is Jesus Christ, mankind's Redeemer. Yet, as foreseen, many judge Jesus to be a thing of naught, or consider him merely a man. Whether others deny or delimit Jesus, for us, he is our Lord and Savior. Comparatively, brothers and sisters, it matters very little what people think of us. But it matters very much what we think of him. It matters very little, too, who others say we are. What matters is who we say Jesus is. First, Nephi 19, 10 through 16 states for us, and the God of our fathers, who were led out of Egypt, out of bondage, and also were preserved in the wilderness by him. Yea, the God of Abraham and of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, yieldeth himself, according to the words of the angel, as a man into the hands of wicked men, to be lifted up, according to the words of Zenoch, and to be crucified, according to the words of Neum, and to be buried in a sepulchre, according to the words of Zenos, which he spake concerning the three days of darkness which should be a sign given of his death unto those who should inhabit the isles of the sea, more especially given unto those who are of the house of Israel. For thus spake the prophet, The Lord God surely shall visit all the house of Israel at that day, some with his voice because of their righteousness, unto their great joy and salvation, and others with the thunderings and the lightnings of his power, by tempest, by fire, and by smoke and vapor of darkness and by the opening of the earth, and by mountains which shall be carried up. And all these things must surely come, saith the prophet Zenos. And the rocks of the earth must rend, and because of the groanings of the earth, many of the kings of the isles of the sea shall be wrought upon by the Spirit of God to exclaim, The God of nature suffers. And as for those who are at Jerusalem, saith the prophet, they shall be scourged by all people, because they crucify the God of Israel and turn their hearts aside, rejecting signs and wonders and the power and glory of the God of Israel. And because they turn their hearts aside, saith the prophet, and have despised the Holy One of Israel, they shall wander in the flesh and perish and become a hiss and a byword and be hated among all nations. Nevertheless, when that day cometh, saith the prophet, that they no more turn aside their hearts against the Holy One of Israel. Then will he remember the covenants which he made to their fathers. Yea, then will he remember the isles of the sea, yea, and all the people who are of the house of Israel. Will I gather in, saith the Lord, according to the words of the prophet Zenos, from the four quarters of the earth. Nephi quoted from Zenoch, Num, and Zenos. These were prophets of Old Testament times whose detailed prophecies of Jesus Christ were recorded on the brass plates. Therefore we know they lived before 600 BC. They spoke plainly about the life and ministry of the Messiah and the destiny of the house of Israel. Without the Book of Mormon, we would know nothing about these three prophets or their witnesses of Christ. First Nephi 19, 
21 through 24 states for us, and he surely did show unto the prophets of old all things concerning them. And also he did show unto many concerning us. Wherefore, it must needs be that we know concerning them, for they are written upon the plates of brass. Now it came to pass that I, Nephi, did teach my brethren these things. And it came to pass that I did read many things to them, which were engraven upon the plates of brass, that they might know concerning the doings of the Lord in other lands, among people of old. And I did read many things unto them, which were written in the books of Moses. But that I might more fully persuade them to believe in the Lord their Redeemer, I did read unto them. That which was written by the prophet Isaiah, for I did liken all scriptures unto us, that it might be for our profit and learning. Wherefore I spake unto them, saying, Hear ye the words of the prophet. Ye who are a remnant of the house of Israel, a branch who have been broken off, hear ye the words of the prophet, which were written unto all the house of Israel, and liken them unto yourselves, that ye may have hope as well as your brethren from whom ye have been broken off. For after this manner has the prophet written. Nephi read the scriptures to his people, and did liken all scriptures unto them. How do we liken the scriptures unto ourselves for profit and learning? Questions like the following ones can help us profitably apply the scriptures to our lives. What significance does this particular event or principle have for me today? For example, what does the rebellion of Laman and Lemuel teach me? What can I learn about faithfulness from Nephi's obedience? If I were in this particular situation or faced with this challenge or question, how would I react? What flaws or strengths would I find in my own character? Am I like Lehi's family members who murmured in the wilderness? Or am I like Nephi and Sam? Do I complain when things get difficult, or do I trust in God no matter what the circumstances? What do I learn about God and his dealings with his children from this event? As I study the lives of men and women in the scriptures, what do I learn about the things that please or displease God? Why was this particular concept, principle, or event included in the scriptures?